This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description and use promo code J0S1AHV01CE. Josiah's voice, get it? Again, that's J0S1AHV01CE. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I actually just finished watching one of your videos. <laughs> That's good. What is it? Which one? Uh, I was just watching your Plotter versus Panzer video. Yeah, I just uh, I listened to your one on moving from Maryland to Los Angeles. Oh, how'd you like it? What'd you think? I thought- that was really cool because uh, I've also been, when you were talking about New Orleans, I've also mentioned the Faulkner House books. So when you were talking yeah. about that, I was like, oh, I love that place. <laughs> and that was really cool. Yeah. And we bounced around, as you heard, to like a few other bookstores, but it was cool to, to find some. I was like, let me see if I can find some, some bookstores along the road. You know, I didn't really buy anything, but it was cool to still kind of browse around and everything. So. Yeah, no, I love I love finding local bookstores just wherever I go because it's just a, a fun way to and explore it and get the feel for the character of the place. So yeah, and uh, get a feel for the city maybe just in a little small way and everything. So Diane Callahan um, is also known as the Quotidian writer. I said that right, correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool, cool. Welcome to Josiah's Voice, uh, Diane, as well as the listeners. Uh, welcome back to season three. I'm here to talk to Diane about writing and about her YouTube channel, which gives advice on writing. And um, before we jump into it, I got some questions here. We'll do a little icebreaker. What are actually the icebreaker before the icebreaker um, is one, thank you for agreeing to talk to me. Yeah, thank really you cool. for inviting me. Yeah, it's really cool too. I, I like your podcast a lot. So thank you. I really, really enjoy your channel a lot as well. What are you reading right now? Oh, well, I'm, I'm always reading something. So that's <laughs> that question is guaranteed to be to be answered, uh, especially because I always read multiple books at once in addition to whatever I'm editing. But 
I'm listening to the audiobook of A Memory Called Empire by Arcadia Martine, and it won the Hugo Award last year, which is like the big sci-fi award. And it's just a, it's a really neat exploration of just like the type of world building that it does with linguistics and culture. And yeah, it's definitely, I definitely recommend Memory Called Empire. I'm only about a third of the way through, but I'm just, I'm very in love with it so far, so. Cool, that's what you're reading right now. I. I remember in high school when I had more time, <laughs> um, though I have more time now with the pandemic, I would read maybe two or three books at a time and my energy was way up and burning the midnight oil. And then when I went to college and you know was buried under textbooks and everything, I was still reading multiple things at a time, just not quote what I wanted, wanted to read. And now I just go ahead and read probably one book at a time unless it's a comic. Um, mm -hmm. I did recently, I was posting, I recently read, I'm up to date on this comic book called um, Deadly Class and there are like nine oh. volumes of those. And comics and plays are like short stories. You can kind of get through them pretty quickly. So sometimes I might be reading a graphic novel and a standard novel or a memoir or something like that because one, I can kind of take my time reading it and then the other one, I'm kind of, I might read two or three graphic novels inside of the window of reading, you know, Cicely Tyson's memoir or Artemis Fowl or something like that, you know. So uh, that's, exactly. yeah. that's the last thing I read. Um, is this, awesome. is this yeah. exciting kind of super violent, but really philosophical, interesting book about um, this orphan named Marcus in 1980s. San Francisco, and he's taken off the street to join something called King's Dominion, which is um, not to be confused with the theme park, <laughs> but a school for assassins <laughs> and the children of the criminal underworld as they uh, go ahead. Was, was that adapted to anything? Oh, yeah, because I feel like I've heard about it a lot. It was a sci-fi show, if you're looking oh. it up right there, yeah. Yeah, I was just curious, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, had one season on sci-fi, unfortunately was canceled. I don't know why, because it was a really fun show. Um, and a good friend of mine turned me on to the show and the comic. And when it got canceled, she was like, well, if you haven't started the comic yet, don't worry, there are like eight or nine volumes to date so far. And it's still an ongoing series. And I'm hoping that now it's on, uh, I think the Peacock streaming service. She said, now that it's on there, maybe people will catch up. And maybe they'll like demand <laughs> that it be picked up again by them or Netflix or somebody. So yeah. That'd be good. Have that, you read the saga, the saga series since you like uh, graphic novels, comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. I hope they adapt that one. Yeah. Cause I, although that'd be pretty challenging to adapt. It's like very secondary world, heavy sci-fi fantasy. So I don't know yeah. how they would swing that, but need a big budget. So. Very, yeah, they need all the money because uh, what's his face? Brian K. Vaughn said he didn't think that it was like adaptable, but you never know. <laughs> I think people said that about Dune and I haven't read Dune either, but I've heard fans say that's not adaptable either, but Denny Villeneuve is going to find a way. So, <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, uh, Saga is pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Dan, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself um, you mentioned being from Ohio. 
maybe share just a little bit before we get into the, the other questions about uh, writing a little bit, editing, and being on YouTube? Yeah, so I'm a full-time editor. Specifically, I do developmental editing, which is mostly big picture editing, like characters, plots, and things. I do a lot of line editing as well, like sentence level. Um, my primary focus is fiction, just all genres. Uh, so that's sort of my day job, I guess you could say, although it's really just around the clock. <laughs> I do it. Um, and then I also write. I write fiction in all genres and nonfiction and poetry. And then I have my YouTube channel, which is also writing related, uh, specifically just trying to have tips about the craft and just how to write better fiction and using examples from you know, classics and recently published novels and all different genres. So pretty much a lot of my hobbies and interests all connect back to reading and writing. I mean, I love to travel too, uh, but it's, I yeah. think, yeah, my from my background, which you may or may not be able to see if it's a podcast, but I, yeah, I do. I love books and just storytelling in every form, so. That's awesome. Okay, here are a couple of questions right off the bat. One was reading a big part of your childhood and two to the YouTube, what inspired you, what inspired the confidence for you to share writing craft advice? Cause I'd be a little shook. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for every editor and writer it always kind of comes back to reading like that's where you start. And so it was like a huge part of my childhood uh, especially because my local library had a big summer reading thing every year like you color in like a little bubble and then you get prizes for like every book you read so I think like having that external validation from a young age yeah. I just I felt very motivated to like oh let me just like read more and then I'll get prizes so I think I was I know that's not the best <laughs> the best motivation <laughs> to read but it worked though so the librarians they got it but uh and I, I think I from reading that I just I really enjoyed being able to have that window into other life experiences, to be able to live more than one life and to just really like understand other people who weren't like me at all, like people who had alcoholic parents or people who were, were dating because I did not date much in high school. So uh, to read books like that. Um, and so when, as I got older with editing and things like that, like I really wanted to learn how to write. Like I didn't, and didn't necessarily plan to become an editor like right away. I was mainly like, I want to be an author. I want to write. Okay. And then so as I was, I was learning to write, I was like, well, I'm, you naturally become an editor because you, you editors, like you're basically teaching others to write. So it's a sort of the natural, the natural path from like reader to writer to editor. Um, yeah. So with that, and that's also, I think with my YouTube channel, I really, I didn't start it with the intention of teaching other people so much like it wasn't at all mm -hmm. about my editorial business at all because like, even in my, my very early videos like you'll notice that like my name's not on it at all because I didn't put my name on any of my videos or like it wasn't connected to me really um and because my true. very first yeah so it's like I don't know it's like my, my first video huh. was how, how to motivate yourself every day and yeah. the reason I made that was for myself like because I was trying to learn the craft and so this video was for me because I was struggling to, to write every day. So it wasn't like, I wasn't really talking to some other people. I was like talking to myself. So it's kind of funny in the video, um, like I talk about like, you know, you should try writing in the morning because that mm. might like prevent you from procrastinating. And I say that because I'm like, I'm a total night owl. Like that's the right. only time I feel like I feel really productive at night. And then, but I was still kind of struggling to write. And so I was like, well, maybe if I write in the morning. And so that's why I put, that as like sort of a tip so it, it's kind of interesting that um 
I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't make myself out to be like, I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm better than everybody else. So therefore I'm teaching you. I really wanted it to be more like <laughs> equal, equal ground, right? Like, Hey, I'm yeah. learning this thing here. Do you want to learn this thing with me? You know, like I wanted to be yeah. a little more like that. Um, and then as the years have passed, I've gotten a lot more experience with editing and writing. And that, that does give me a little more of the confidence that like, I know what I'm talking about. Um, I have an English major, which doesn't really count for much. I don't feel, but uh, like oh. it, it is, it's not like it, it doesn't really teach you to, it, you don't need like an English major to, to appreciate, you know, books or anything like that. And I don't know if that's really where, I mean, my channel does have a little bit of the English major essay touch to it for sure, but, sure, um, yeah. but I try to go kind of, kind of beyond that into more of like, um, I don't know, just a, a way that you can connect to it on just a, a basic level as a writer trying to really appreciate the craft and also to sell stuff commercially. Like I like it for the art, but I know that it's also a business and I kind of want to address both sides of that. And I, yeah, I really just want to learn with the viewership basically. I like that approach. Uh, it's kind of a, a selfish approach, like in a good way of like, uh, especially I'm speaking to your first video of, um, you remind me what, it, I haven't seen it while you said it. What, what did you title it again? Um, it's how to motivate yourself to write every day. And including like times to write, like morning writing versus being a night owl and the idea of trying to like hold hands with writers from all over the world. Like, let's do it together. I don't, I'm no expert. I don't know everything despite degrees. I want to like do it with you guys and all of you who have novels and poetry burning inside of you just trying to get out. I like that approach to kind of like, it seems like there's a little bit more, do I want to say integrity? I don't know what it is I'm trying to say, but it's like, it because it's for you, you're hoping that what you're saying is true because you're just going to go practice it. Because I like that quality to your videos as well of some of them have exercises or you ask questions at the end and knowing how you started, it I, it's safe to say that you probably practice the same thing. Like, okay, I'm a night owl let me try writing in the morning or let me, how many words can I get out before breakfast or lunch or, you know, you tried those things. So I, I like that. I'm glad you do. Cause I think that's a very difficult thing with writing advice is cause I try not to be very prescriptivist in the sense that like, okay, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. And there's like, those are sort of principles. Right. But I think ultimately like all writing advice is bendable. Like there's no rules, there's only guidelines. And I just, I love that about writing, but it's also very frustrating because I know sometimes people are like, well, tell me just what I have to do and what I don't do. And I'm like, I don't know, you don't even need to use quotation marks. Like you can just leave those out. You don't need those. Like for some writers just don't bother. And or like, Mac McCarthy. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, yes. That is always who we think of, yes. But um, so it's just like, you don't need to, for every rule that you have, there's somebody who's broken it, right? Like that's yeah. the difficult part. You're like, well, you know, like, what do you mean I can't write like 15 different first person perspectives? Cause like, you know, Faulkner did it. So mm -hmm. it's always that thing where it's like, I, I think that people should be, feel free to try whatever they want. If it works, it works, so. <laughs> yeah, that's two things come to mind. When you're talking about the reward system, it reminded me of, my mom got me involved in Book It. I don't know if you know about that. You, you, it sounds like you actually kind of do, your community probably just called it something different, where it was a program through Pizza Hut. And there was some type of schedule or something where you read this many books, maybe there were stickers or, you know, 
color coordinated uh, uh, goalposts in mind. And when you were finished, I'll guess maybe at the end of maybe a few weeks or the month, we'd all be able to get those four square, or not four square, those four slice child personal pizzas and a drink and all the family and my grandmother and any cousins who may have been it. We'd all like go to Pizza Hut, I guess once a month or something. That was like a serious reward system Love it. for me. Yeah. It was called Book It. And I, it was like, I, I, all kids don't like to read, but I, I definitely love to read. So I was like, you're combining books with pizza? What? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I think after we stop that, I guess you age out of it or something, um, which is crazy. No, uh, <laughs> my mom actually would give us like, we got an allowance, but she would give my brothers and I, I guess a book allowance and she'd pay us. It, it, it really, it wasn't a lot because we were young. It probably averaged like a dollar per book. Cause I think she'd give us, I think a dollar per hundred pages. Wow. To nice. kind of get us out, yeah. to transition us from picture books like Berenstein Bears and Magic School Bus, which is great. Those were my jam growing up. But to encourage us to kind of find like maybe Animorphs or Arthur chapter books or other chapter books because they have more pages. And she'd give us like maybe on average one to two dollars because it's like maybe a dollar every hundred pages. So just that reward system to read, I that's stamped in my brain forever, even as an adult. Sometimes I'll finish a book, especially if I really liked it. And I'll think, let me go tell mom. Oh, I'm too old. For <laughs> <laughs> no, she should still be giving you a dollar for every hundred pages. Like I would game that system though. That's the problem. So, I, but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting too. Like just the way that incentives work with reading. But I, because I know a lot of people, they kind of have their love of reading like beaten out of them in school. Sure. And I'm always like, I wonder how that can be prevented. Like, how do people, you instill that love of reading without making people hate it over yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, did you, I said I had two things. I think the second one was favorite authors or books. You mentioned like Faulkner. Did you have any favorite authors or just standout books growing up? Yeah, growing up, I really loved Gail Carson Levine. She does a lot of fairy tale retellings, like uh, Ella Enchanted. Uh, the oh, movie, that's, okay. Yeah, the movie was terrible, of course, but it, Ella Enchanted is just like a Cinderella oh. retelling. Um, and then I really love Lewis Sacker. He did Holes and the Wayside School books, which are just, yeah, I totally love that sense of humor. Um, and then there's a book called Heir Apparent by Vivian Van Veld. Um, and yeah, so that was like a, a virtual reality book. Like there's, yeah, do you like that book too? Like she's stuck in the virtual reality, it's like Groundhog Day and this medieval and she just has yes. to win the game to get out of there. Yeah. Yes, I, oh my gosh. I think I triggered the memory, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not like, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt while I interrupt. Uh, it's not that I don't clearly bond with people over plenty of popular titles, right? But when someone mentions what feels kind of obscure to me, like heir apparent, and you mm -hmm. said, I was, as you began to say it, I was like, is she, I see the green cover <laughs> yeah, materialize yeah. in my head and the headset. And I'm like, who's the author? Who's the author? And, the, and there's, there's like someone in my head going through files and you begin to say Vivian, I'm like, it's someone named <laughs> Yeah, it was just this little girl in the arcade deep in the 90s and or 80s. Yes. It gets, it, it, like it feels like something out of like never ending story or 
warriors of virtue or or I didn't see Indian in the cupboard. That's probably a coming of age type something, but it, it, it's got that quality and that time loop thing. And so the you're the only other, I think I've only met two people, maybe three. I've only met two people. I can't remember who the other person was. I think we were in person though, before the Rona struck. And we were talking about books and they mentioned heir apparent. And I, that is such a tight, but I'm sorry, go ahead. It is. It's such like we've got to get like a book club just around that book. I'm worried if I reread it that I won't like it as much. But um, I think it totally. I think it totally got me on like a virtual reality kick. Like I've never okay. written a story that's set with that. But like whenever somebody's like virtual reality, I'm like yes, because I, I loved um, like Sword Art Online, the anime, okay, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, Dot Hack. Uh, I mean Dot Hack was okay, but I love the premise. Like I just love anything virtual reality. So. Although I did not like Ready Player One because there's too many '80s references, but uh, uh, <laughs> I heard about that. I, I didn't. I haven't read it, and I didn't. I saw a few clips. Excuse me, a few clips from the movie, but I happen to have not to have not seen. But I heard for some people there might have been a f maybe one too many, and that's cool. Teach their own. <laughs> I totally. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and I am growing up like, yeah, I think I probably read like most like early 2000s, like late 90s books in that yeah, sort of yeah. genre. And I was also super into manga, you know, the, mm. the Japanese comics. So yeah, I read yeah. a lot of, yeah, Rony Kenshin uh, and Ranma One Half and, and Trigun and Fruits Basket and like just so much. I feel like I feel like it's something I've sort of, I have like occasional anime manga references in my videos, but I think it's like pretty understated because I was very, very entrenched in that as a kid okay. for like, like from maybe like third grade till like okay. mid high school. And so I think like anime and manga, it's like really affected my, my taste. So the things that I like as far as like reading and writing and everything, I'm like, it's sort of, I don't want to say like anime inspired because it doesn't really have that vibe, but I feel like I can, like the type of fantasy and sci-fi I like is very much that genre, so. Cool, yeah, I've been, I've been meaning to watch Trigun for the long time. I think I've only seen the first episode for whatever reason, I've never gotten past it. I've really been wanting to, but I did recently, finally, watch all of Cowboy Bebop on Hulu. Oh, yes, yes, it, do you it, like it? Like it. It's amazing. You like it? It's yes, amazing. Good. Okay. <laughs> and I, I found the, the, the movie. In fact, I think it's my best friend and our cohort of friends who are like, Josiah, you need to watch Cowboy Bebop. And I just, I, I don't know. I, just, I didn't grow up watching main. Like, I remember Dragon Ball Z and different iterations mm -hmm. of Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh. But I mm -hmm. never was, like, into, like, manga. And I'm like, they read right to left? What? And, like, <laughs> and it's like, it's too much for me. I can't handle it. Um, but I, I always thought Cowboy Bebop was cool. I love the use of the, the music. I was thinking of Space Lion the other day for no reason. Isn't that what it's called? Space Lion uh, in the, um, it's the sort of choral indigenous American one. Oh, I think you, you, you know, I know you know what I'm talking about. I think it's called Space Lion. Um, it's in the two part episode in the middle of Cowboy Bebop. Oh, I bet I do, but I like I haven't seen you, it in so long. The moment so you, the moment you look it up when when we're done, the moment you hear, it, you'll be like, oh, that's what he. Of course, that's what he was talking about. Yeah. But just know, yeah, the animation style, the music is amazing. No, um, it's like the best intro ever. Like you just, I sometimes I just look it up. Like if I think about it, yeah. I'm like, I should just go watch the Cowboy Bebop intro. Yes. If I just want to feel cool. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, and you know, I think was it was it the same 
creator who did Samurai Shampoo, which I never finished. But I think, I yeah, to. I happen to have never finished that one either. I think yeah. they are one and the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I need to, I've seen, I need to read Akira. I've been trying to read Akira for years. And I think that's my, I haven't watched a lot of anime, but I don't know, that one's got a special place in my heart as crazy and visceral and emotional and off the wall as it is. I really, really dig that story a lot. Um, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, I thought was really cool. There was this Japanese cinema class I took in college oh. and it included like that and Ghost in the Shell and all these different uh, animes and um, there's an, oh, what's the, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, uh, maybe I'll remember it in a little while. There, there's more I want I want to check out. Uh, oh, Studio Ghibli. There are yeah. a lot of Studio Ghibli movies. Uh, I still yeah, all the, the Miyazaki films are, you know, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke and stuff Princess like that. Yeah, yeah, Princess. so good. But yeah, my very favorite is is always Full Metal Alchemist, but that's- I heard that one's really cool. Yeah. I've only seen a few yeah. episodes here and there. You, that's your yeah, favorite or one of them? Yeah, it is my favorite. Yeah, and uh, the manga is really good. I haven't, like, it's always, it's hard sometimes. Like, there's certain series where I've read the entirety of it because there's, like, 28 volumes or something of certain series. And then other ones, like, if you've heard of One Piece, like, One Piece has like, a bajillion. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm like, well, I yeah. stopped at watching after, like, episode 127. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, I, yeah, I, and it's definitely, like, a world I'd like to get back into as, like, a, as a reader and a, no watcher, but <laughs> a good friend of mine. He, um, in one of my older uh, podcast episodes, I invited people to talk about comics, and he he lives by One Piece. He's always tweeting about it. He's always sharing the latest volumes on Instagram. He's always like, you know, y'all want to be cool, read One Piece, you know, or just and or all the memes that just praise the fan. He swears by one piece i love that about him it's just it's so funny and he's also into graphic design as well so i feel like yeah. it kind of like fires him up also with his own uh designs which are different but i think he just he's so in love with the story so it's funny you mentioned one piece. no it's an amazing it's an amazing amazing world so anyway but yeah that is it's just like uh, it's such the fantasy that i love just the type of fantasy that's in all the anime worlds it's yeah. i dig it because i think that the the more like western idea of fantasy is very much like dragons and orcs and elves which is mm -hmm. kind of based on like dungeons and dragons and like lord of the rings and like that's i've never really been into that fantasy like i'm very much more into like the secondary world like magical powers mm -hmm. uh kind of like yeah so alchemy and portal fantasy and stuff like that that's my my jam <laughs> How did it feel to be published for the first time? And what's your favorite aspect of writing? Because of course I'm thinking about the YouTube channel, which we'll get into a little bit more as we go down. Because in your YouTube, you cover a lot. So what did it feel like the first time you got published, including even contests or something in the newspaper? And yeah, what's your favorite aspect or aspects of writing? I think with being, with being published, I feel like I don't really consider myself like a published author, even though I have like short stories and poems out there because I don't have like a book length work. So for me, it's like, I don't have a novel or a short story collection. So, but, I mean, I know technically I am published, but I, so for me, it's been a little anticlimactic, um, but especially because I think there's always this desire for more. Like I want to be like, okay, well I'm published here, but I want to be published in this other place or I want to have like, this particular piece published in this particular venue. And I think that 
there's sort of like a constant striving for something more. And that's, I mean, sometimes that can be a little unhealthy, but I think for me, I really like having those high goals and, you know, like you keep like, you know, you, you open one door and you go through it and there's another door, like you're just constantly doing that. So I think that's, yeah, that's kind of how I I feel about it with being published. It's like, I think, I think I'm probably never going to be satisfied. Just no matter how many stories or books I have, I'm still going to be like on my deathbed, like, no, I need to do this is one more thing. So that's probably what's going to happen. That's a hilarious Um, image of you just, you know, ancient and, but still elegant and reaching out for like a pen and paper, like just mm -hmm. one more, one more word. (laughs) Exactly. That's what's going to happen. But that's cool. No, I got you. It's like, it's almost like a wave of water. It just keeps, you know, as the ship cuts through it, there's no ending. It almost feels like there's no beginning. It just kind of keeps going. That's a, for what it's worth. That sounds kind of cool in a sense that it's just never ending for you and you haven't quit. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it's, yeah, it's always a, a tough landscape <laughs> to navigate, but I, I think as far as my favorite part of writing, it's definitely editing, which is, is a cliche thing to say as an editor. But I think it's because like with editing, it very much feels like cleaning or like organizing yeah. a drawer or something like, yeah, you're like putting things in the right slot. You're getting rid of stuff. You're what else is going to be useful in here? Let me add that. And like, it's like, it's all beautiful and clean and like a complete product. And like, I love taking things from like that almost ready to the, you know, the shiny stage of yeah. like, oh, this is now publishable. Like that's that's an awesome feeling. Um, and, and yeah, my second favorite part is probably like coming up with ideas and just, you know, generating okay. just new worlds and characters and just kind of fitting the puzzle pieces together. Um, and then, and then drafting is probably my least favorite part because it kind of feels like pulling teeth sometimes. Um, but, and I think it's especially because with the editing mindset, it's very hard for me to sort of leave a sentence or a paragraph alone. Like I have to keep you know, tinkering okay. with it. And so it, so it makes me a little slower when it comes to writing sometimes, so. Do you edit as you go? I do edit as I go. I know I shouldn't, it's a bad habit, but I do edit as I go. If, but if it works, I there's someone else I like on YouTube. I don't know if you've heard of her name, Shailen Bishop. Oh, I love her. Yes, she's my favorite, yeah. She's great. And she, if you recall, that is part of her style. And there's some funny, I her poking fun at herself is funny, but she's trying to be honest. That's part of her style. And if you ask me, if it works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How did you get into editing and launching your business? Is, was it related to uh, your time in college? Cause I read a little bit that you were a huge overachiever in college, <laughs> took every writing course, which is always exciting for me to hear. I'll be honest, I took as, as many as I could in my time in college, but did any any time in college affect becoming an editor and launching your business? For sure, because I think when I became an English major, I really had the thought like I want to be a literary agent. And yeah. I think once I learned that most literary agents, they have to live in New York City. And if you want to be oh, like a sort of an editor at a publishing house, you also have to live in New York City. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to appeal to me. Like, There's other big cities that have those, but I was like, well, if I try the freelancing route, at least I can do it anywhere and that would be easier. And so for me, I started looking on for positions on Upwork, which is like a freelance job listing Mm. site. And so one of my first jobs on there, I got very lucky and they were looking for a developmental editor on like fantasy series. And it was just 
they had me do a trial edit and then they were just like, okay, here's this book, you know, and, and then I just, I worked for them for like over three years. Like they was just so fast. Wow. And, and they gave me a lot of creative freedom to, they were like, Hey, right. Can you write this outline for us? Can you write this blurb for us? So I was just basically designing books for them and designing series for them. And that was super fun because I could just sort of sandbox and, you know, like my name's not on this book, so I can do whatever I want. Right. And that, I found that very freeing and, and it taught me a lot about editing and, you know, I would edit the manuscript too. So I would like write the outline, somebody mm -hmm. else would write it. And then I'm like editing this thing that I've designed, but I'm like, okay, well I can cut this and I can move this around. And I can basically tell people what to do. And um, that was a lot of fun to like, I could have like that line level and the big picture kind of control over it and sort of just being a conductor and like orchestrating things. And it's very collaborative. And I just, I love that atmosphere. So uh, that gave me a lot of experience before I started going into the the one-on-one -on -one type of editing that I do now. And my YouTube channel is how my clients find me. Like ninety percent of my clients find me through YouTube. So it's what? like my yeah, it's like my portfolio now. So you know, like people are like, oh yeah, I watched this video you did, and now I have um, articles on Medium, which are basically my video mm -hmm. transcripts, but I adapt them to text. Yes. And then, um, so some people are finding me through there now and they're like, Hey, I read your article on medium and I really want you to edit my book. And I'm like, man, this is like, I don't even have to advertise. Right. So like in my YouTube videos too, I never say, you know, I'm a professional editor or anything like that. Like, no, I just, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I leave it like, sometimes I'll mention it in my video, mm -hmm. but I don't like to advertise because I think that there may come a time if I want to write full time or something instead of doing editing. So I want to make sure that my content's sort of evergreen so that I'm not yeah. offering services that I might not offer in the future. So <laughs> very smart. And it gets to the YouTube gets to stand on its own and the business does get to stand on its own. They're, they're mm -hmm. separate yet kind of helping each other. There's a little bit of a symbiosis yes. happening behind the scenes. I think that's cool. That's, that's really fresh. And I think that's awesome that people are authentically finding you through YouTube where your, your focus is on applying these things that you've tried or you want to try or that have served you and you figure maybe they'll serve other people and you make these awesome video series and then it attracts clients for what you do full-time and freelance. And I think, I think that's yep. really cool. I think that's really, really <laughs> fantastic. And to also repurpose it on Medium through transcripts, which perhaps you probably buff out a little bit more for for the reading uh, experience i wow free business advice guys <laughs> i know it's really worked out for me I, I kind of feel hesitant giving anybody advice about using youtube or medium though because i feel like you know it's kind of a unicorn situation where it's it's more up to chance than it is just skill i mean like there's probably plenty of people that are making really high quality content and they're not getting that many views and it's not due to lack of trying but and for me I feel like I did like I mean I, I do like a lot of things wrong on YouTube that you're not supposed to do like I don't upload regularly right like and that's part yeah. of my whole my my prioritization because if I'm like you know what like I'm just gonna say bye to YouTube for three months and like go work on my other stuff that I want to work on you know so I don't feel uh obligated to post every week or every month or anything like I, I'll try but um I think there is something very freeing in that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the, the common advice is like, oh, make sure you do regular posts and that you cover these sorts of topics. And then I've been very much like, I don't care about any of that and just do whatever I want and it's worked out. So I just like, maybe other people probably shouldn't follow that advice, but. <laughs> <laughs>
No, that's I like that though because there's a there's a YouTuber I really like named Nathan Zed. Um, in fact, this is his shirt um, or his uh, hoodie uh, for those who will be able to see it. His good enough line of of hoodies, which I think is a great message uh, that you're good enough. Um, but he he's just he's a vlogger um, who has his own brand of of humor um, that I think a lot of like '90s kids and um, kids who grew up in the early 2000s like will really like gravitate toward and like the quality of of character and appreciation of art is the same thing with him honestly he prior to going to no yeah while in college he probably didn't upload for maybe nine months or longer but he really developed a loyal following because people just similar to you they just liked what he put out he didn't care to become uh, I was about to say Twitter famous, YouTube famous or, or anything like that. Nothing against anybody who is or is striving for that. But his priorities were, I really want to go to school, get a business degree or whatever he majored in. I think it was business, um, which resonates with you, I'm sure. And he just, like you said, he had his, uh, like you said about yourself, your priority priorities are what they were. And the work speaks for itself. And I think it's actually the same thing with him. So I love running into people like you guys because it does kind of take the edge off whether yeah. you're doing podcasting or YouTube and it's an online thing. And the advice is guys, make sure you're pumping out content, make sure you, you know, so it's, it really warms my heart to hear you say that and to have seen your channel continue to grow at your pace and you're totally satisfied and, and you're good. The quality doesn't diminish you're you're trying new and exciting things and I think it's I think it's really cool. <laughs> Glad that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's a standout challenge you faced or a lesson you've learned as a businesswoman or maybe even you are learning it? I don't know if priorities with uploading and not uploading plays into that, but any lessons you've learned? Yeah, that's absolutely a big one for me that I haven't learned and that I should have learned by now is is definitely <laughs> like balancing my time between my writing and my YouTube and my editing business. Yeah. And trying to balance those things is really tough uh, okay. because it's 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 very hard with editing, especially like if I'm reading a book for fun or if I'm writing, I'm like, well, I have this other editing project. I should probably be working on that instead of doing whatever I'm supposed to be doing. And then I, I think another thing is that it's been hard for me to learn how to say no to new projects. Cause I've had, I have like a lot of people being like, oh, hey, can you edit my book? And I'm like, oh, this is like amazing client. It's amazing like project. But then I'm like, I just can't. Cause if I take this book, it means like I can't make a video this month. It means that I won't have time to write for myself this month. And then so trying to choose between, you know, what do, do I want to take on more work, you know, help more people and, or do I want to kind of focus on these other things that I want to do? And I think really having that balance and knowing my own limitations, because I think part of it's also the comparison factor. You're like, well, this other YouTuber, she makes a video every single week. And this other writer, she writes like five novels a year. And this other mm, editor, yeah. she edits 50 novels a year. And, you know, so you kind of, you got to not compare yourself to yeah. all those other people. And I think also it's, I, I've definitely had to acknowledge like I can't be all these things at once right like I can't publish all these YouTube videos I can't write all these books and edit all these novels like I have to really choose what I want to do and take that seriously and not 
let myself get distracted from my goals, which I made a, a video about setting goals recently. And that's definitely another video that's like directed at myself. So it's, it's not like I do try to practice what I preach, but yeah. I think ultimately like a lot of the videos I put out are very aspirational. Like this is like the height I want to reach. I know I'm yeah. not going to make it. Like, I know I'm, I'm going to aim for, I'm going to fall, but I'm like aiming for it anyway. And I think that's sort of, that's my same thing with my, my business and everything else. It's like, I'm, I'm going to try to do all these things, but I know that um, I'm going to really get two out of 10 of them. And that's, I'll, I'll keep gunning for that though. <laughs> the learning to so priorities and learning how to multitask and, give your attention to what you to what's like needed at the time is that's something we all need need to learn actually <laughs> it looks different for everybody but that's uh that sounds right on brand actually especially even as a writer with like you know shiny new idea syndrome like you're supposed to be writing this one thing in that example and then right as you're working on that something just you know this this beam of a new idea just cuts through your concentration, you're like, oh, maybe I should go off to this or maybe I should. So I think that's uh, that's pretty apt and uh, best of luck with it. I mean, to me, it looks like you're doing fine, but I know, you know, it's like what we see <laughs> on the outside looks one way, but um, I know you're going get to a, get a handle on it. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Anyone else going through that, listen to or try to, you know, try to try to prioritize and do what's really important. I think Denzel Washington says like, what is it? What did he say? Do what you need to do first so you can do what you want to do later. That came to mind. So if you're not focused, nothing's going to get done, um, which reminds me of your pantser versus plotter <laughs> video. It kind of sounds like that of going all over the place with pantsing, flying by the seat of your pants and plotting and netting out every single, you know, everyone does things differently. So, and speaking of YouTube, but yeah. what, what inspired you to, to still make a YouTube channel, put out your writing craft uh, experiences and advice out that way? I think specifically with YouTube is it was, man, I think I started my channel five years ago. I don't have many videos out still, but, right, um, but at the time, even then, like writing was a pretty niche community on YouTube and you know there's a handful of famous mm. of the famous writing YouTubers and I was like you know this is a pretty small environment like I could probably break in here versus like a lot of people have a blog but not many people have a YouTube channel and I also noticed that a lot of people do a talking to the screen which is really fun and like it's yeah. great to listen to but I was like oh but I want to do something with a visual medium because I don't see too many people doing visual mediums other than the video essays for movies and film I was like I want to do visual for books and especially uh, specifically textual examples. Like I really love, I think that something that was missing for me and in, in some of the writing advice that I'd been consuming was like, well, I want more examples from published books. Like I want, mm -hmm. I want to see how these other readers are doing it. I want to see some analysis of this book because I see that all the time with movies and people were like, let me dissect the scene from this movie. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to yeah. do this with the book. You know, I want to do it with the text. And like, so I think that was something I, I kind of saw there was like a, a spot that needed filled, like some kind of content that I wanted to see. So I created that. I'm like, maybe there's somebody out there that that wants that. But um, and I, I think I've been, <laughs> yay, I'm glad. Uh, but yeah, I've been sort of refining that as I, I go and trying to figure out, like I have, oh my gosh, I have a hundred 
at least a hundred different like video ideas. I'm never going to run out. And I have so many documents and like half finished scripts and it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and the visual aspect does make it longer to produce, but sure. I just like that idea of the more the visual learning. And I get a lot of people making comments like that. Like they like, Oh, I, this really helps me learn to see the visuals. And, and I also think I, I like to feel like I'm tricking people into reading because I, I'd like to show the text on screen. So you kind of see how it's formatted. Yeah. And then, so maybe that people will sort of absorb that through osmosis yeah. <laughs> to see the text on screen and, and learn that way. So, yeah, I, I also looked at your, yeah, your new one as of this episode, guys. Uh, Diane just released a video uh, about building tension uh, using uh, The Queen's Gambit by Walter Tevis as an example. And I thought that was also cool because, to my knowledge, you haven't. There are still a few more videos of yours I still have to check out. I've probably watched over half of them um, at this point, but I don't know that you've done a video quite like this, have you? I haven't. And, and it's kind of funny because it was supposed to be part of a new series where I have like one technique and one book and they're supposed to be five minutes long and the original script was five minutes long, but then I doubled it. And so it's 10 minutes. Ah, it was supposed to be like a five minute writing craft yeah. chat. But so I'm going to do that. I want to do a bunch of those in the future, like, you know, writing humor with the Princess Bride and mm. stuff like that, where I kind of take some popular books and just dissect them for that. Like, you know, doing like world building exposition with uh, Game of Thrones and things like that, where... I take some of those popular ones. I make it into a short video, hopefully under 10 minutes, um, if I can control myself. Because uh, that's, I very much am trying to get some shorter content out there because a lot of my videos have been training towards like 20, 25 minutes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. would I even watch this? Because it's so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining, but I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So I want more of that content that's between that like five, 10 minute range. And so I think really. Uh, just doing a close reading of a, a text like that is is really fun and it helps me kind of keep things focused so that's it's really cool because pr even prior to the building tension video that you dropped today or I believe it was yesterday I really like the cinematic language you have in your videos where you have a lot of um it feels like one long montage one long experimental film of different <laughs> imagery in context of what you're talking about, be it you comparing writing to a race. So you have, you know, a, is a decathlon, a bike race? Well, a bike race. And so Diane guys, she'll, she'll mention like a race or ideas. And so she'll use maybe a bike race or a horse race or light bulb or a lightning bolt for an idea or in a lot of it's like slow motion and very relaxed it's not rushed content or anything like that and sometimes you'll have images uh video in this case guys video coming up and you're talking about one line of thinking and I'm like what does that have to do oh and then you'll say the buzzword <laughs> and I'm like that's what <laughs> of course, that's what that makes perfect. Yeah. That's, that's what writing has to do with gardening, or that's what you and I, I think that's really cool and really, yeah. it's really unique. How did you, how did you, did you have, did you do much filmmaking and things like that growing up? It, how did you decide that's the style that I want to use for my videos and it'll work perfectly with writing? 
I think it's like, it was a weird, perfect storm of things. And I'm so glad you caught the visual metaphors because I'm like overly proud of myself for them because I have to sort of <laughs> think of this, okay, how do I represent this abstract concept as yeah. a visual form, right? So like my third person video, I'm talking about third person limited, third person omniscient. And I'm like, how do I even like represent those concepts? And I think I went with hot air balloons. Like there's like inside the hot air balloon or like a distant hot air balloon. And so I was trying to cool. find creative ways to do that. And then the plotters versus pantsers, that was the gardener's architect. So I could do like, okay, here's some gardening videos. Here's some architecture videos. And that was a very nifty way to do that. But um, yeah, I think so in college, I got like a Mac, like a MacBook, because that's like mm. the that's the laptop that you you get in college uh for We're on one right now. but <laughs> on mine yeah there it is. yeah and it's so it's the kind of the stereotypical like suburban college thing to get and i'd never had i'd grown up with desktops so i hadn't had a yeah, laptop before so it's like too. the first one i want this one and so they come installed with keynote and imovie and oh, so for great. instead of using yeah, so instead of using PowerPoint, I would use Keynote. And Keynote is like a, a bit like a better version of PowerPoint because it has like animations and stuff. So I did several presentations for college that way. So that's how I learned how to use Keynote. And then I used iMovie for a few projects as well. I worked at uh, my my university's like inter their IT department basically. And so I, I did like a bunch of, I did a series on like how this is how you use iMovie. So I would write articles about that and that I sort of taught myself how to use iMovie and then so when it came time to do my YouTube channel I was like well I can kind of do visuals and keynote and in iMovie and like so that way I don't have to show my face because I don't really want to do that because you get you have this face like when you pause that's what it's gonna be like that's I know you know because every time you pause a video and somebody's making a funny face you're like ah Trevor knows going like this um, but you know it's that sort of stuff so I was like I don't want to be subjected to that um but so that gave me some comfort um to be able to do it visually that way but it was and, and I think I was watching a bunch of channels that they they used sort of stock images that way I think the first one I saw was like exerbia like he does so, sort of like philosophical Okay. Uh, think, think pieces essays and he also uses like a bunch of b-roll and it like looks kind of cheesy but like because he has the seriousness of the topic it like it makes it work right and so I was like you know what I'm gonna be a little powerpointy with it and I think I've gotten I, I use more video clips now than I did before um mm -hmm. I so, yeah. yeah and I also show a lot more book covers which I, I love to do I love anything that has book covers so like my titles video I think has the most book covers ever because I was just like I'm gonna put every book I've ever heard of in this video. All I just, of them. <laughs> yeah, because I mean I just I, I like the idea that watching my videos feels like walking into like a bookstore or something. Like you're yeah. walking to a bookstore, you see all these books, and like it's just exciting. It gets the the inspiration going. But <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, just to watch the the evolution and mm -hmm. to totally see. I just love yeah the use of the B-roll and the stock footage. And I'm like, she looks like she's paying money for some of this top quality. <laughs> yeah, I'm not weirdly, cause I need to eventually, cause I have run out of like free stock footage of like writing okay. and reading. Like I don't have any of that. Like people need to make more free footage cause otherwise I have no other writing footage. Um, but I use like Pexels and like Pixabay. They're good mm -hmm. uh, free for commercial use yeah. sites. Uh, but I have had several people being like, oh, who makes your videos? And I'm like, it's me. Like, did you think I hired somebody to make my video? <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, I'm very complimented, right? But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure you should be. But I get it. Yeah, it's like, no, no, she did it all. She hunted all over Pixabay and wherever to, to get these. Yeah, it's, 
I'm like, wow, this is this doesn't feel like generic um, stock footage or B-roll. It, it really feels like like there's one. I think it was for the Panzer versus Plotter video that I just watched today, where you picked um, a shot of it had to do with making money for your writing, and it was like the camera is like whatever lens it's super zoomed in I don't know I forgot my lenses for a minute and it's kind of a slow zoom out or truck out of the money and and the change and I'm like what is this I love that footage actually yeah I used a very similar one in my Queen's Gambit video because I love that footage so much like I love there's some really high definition yeah. Like, like I love landscapes. I love food. People get kind of like, oh, I can put donuts in this video. Now I want donuts. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love putting. I like to do like the the puppies and kittens because that gets yeah. that emotional yeah. response. Like I like yeah. to have the you know you watch it and you're like I feel kind of a little happy and relaxed, but I don't know why. Like it's like little hypnosis, subliminal messaging or something. <laughs> Jeez, but, you ever thought about being a film director? Because yeah. you. <laughs> You sound like, yeah, you sound like you're right on it. Catherine Bigelow, Ava DuVernay, watch out. Because it's, you think you wouldn't think about it for YouTube, but it's like, it's still videos, it's still filmmaking. And you really do have your viewer in mind, if you ask me. I feel like you have me in mind when you, yeah, when you use the, I guess you use the donuts in the Walter Tevis video for maybe had to do with rewards or something like that. I think it had to be like the reader, the readers crave tension. That's what it's craving. That's so what it's, my, it's always abstract, right? And so like, I kind of, I like it when people get like, they're sort of inside jokes of myself. Like I do stupid <laughs> stuff like that all the time. Like I get, there's my anatomy of a scene video and like, I'm talking about personal stakes. And then there's like a tiny little stake that pops up in the corner of one of them. And like, there's a couple of people that are like, ha ha ha, you know, cause it's just like, I love the dumb visual puns. Like I'm all for it. So those Sweet are the- cuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I love where the, the puppy with the, you know, the underdog, I think yeah. like, yep. you know, like yeah, underdog yeah. characters and things like, and I, I think it's, it's choice. You are really selective because you're like, hey, it's only going to be a five, 10 minute video or something like that. And you like, you really are, it's not just the script you wrote out for yourself. It's not just the books that you're referencing or the authors or the scenes, but it's all coming, it really is all coming together with also the stock footage that you use to really drive home the points that you're trying to make. I think it's, I think it's really, really well done. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot coming from you for like, given the field that you work in. So. Oh, I, no, I appreciate it. It's, it's like just, and you watch movies and you watch TV. I feel like, you know, I, everyone, Tarantino said, everyone doesn't need to go to film school. It's cool if you do though. I mean, I know I, I took film classes, but it's also just, you love TV and you love film. You watch enough, you will pick up something and you, you know what resonates with, you know, what will drive home the point or why you cut the B-roll just so, or why you let it uh, linger a little bit longer, why it's um, maybe stop motion or sped up versus, you know, why it's um, slow motion or, or like your speed ramping. I know it's perhaps it's a little cliche, but, it, but I think it, it really sticks in people's heads when you talk about growth or patience and you use speed ramping of plant life. It works. Like I, I said about something earlier, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, I appreciate that compliment, but I think it's also great. You know, you, you're just a lover of art who's paid attention and it's really serving your YouTube. 
And um, guys, if you haven't checked her out, I really hope that this interview inspires you to do so because she's she's there's a lot in store for you, not just from learning storytelling, but also just maybe a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of just, you know, engaging ideas and just the visual language you, you employ. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's, it's spot on. It's it's great. Uh, let me see. What else have we got here? I'm having a great time with this conversation, Diane. I hope you are as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, how do you handle the pressures of online life or imposter syndrome, YouTube algorithms? How do you handle any of that? I think for me, it's very much focusing on the internal goals rather than the sort of the external audience. Because I think if you think too much about your audience, it could kind of psych you out. And so for me, when I create something, I tried to find the most satisfaction from like, whoa, I finished this, it exists. And like, it was nothing. And now it's something. And that's just awesome. So like, every time I make a video, like I, it, it's sort of, it's so abstract to think about like viewer count, subscriber count. Cause I'm like, that's a large number. But then like, I almost can't conceptualize it. I'm like, I just made this, you know, in my closet. And then, and then now here it is. Like, cause you know, to me, it's such a casual thing. Like the, the amount of pressure that I feel making videos isn't like I, I try to make it the highest possible quality for myself. And then like, I don't really, I don't worry so much about the audience. Like I'm like, well, this is what I made. So I hope you like it. And I just, you know, I just throw it out there. And so I think that's, that's helped me a bit with as far as like, you know, if I don't focus so much on like, okay, what will get me views or what will get me subscribers? Like I want, I want people to be able to find it, like to use the right keywords. And I, mm -hmm. and I want it to be quality content, but I don't want to feel like anything that I do is dictated by like an audience. Like I don't feel peer pressured to do certain things. Right. Um, but and yeah, as far as like imposter syndrome, I think that's always something that's going to exist. I think, especially for me, I know I'm never going to feel like truly good enough. And I know that there's like a big gulf between like good and great. Like I'm a very confident person. Like I feel like, yeah, I can do this well. Like I can write well, I can edit well. But, um, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's better in some capacity, right? And sure, you just yeah. Gotta, yeah, and you just got to keep striving for that. And I think it kind of goes back to what I've said before about, you know, like, I'm never going to be satisfied. And I know I'm like quoting Hamilton or something, but that's like, you know, it's <laughs> oh, the same no. I heard that, when I heard that song, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is, that's totally the feeling. And it really is. And I, I mean, and I like it. Like, it's not a negative thing necessarily. It's it's really the, like, I always want to, I always want to one-up myself. Like, I, I try not to compare myself to any other channel or writer or anything. It's like, I just need to be better than I was before. Am I improving on the things I did before? And so that's really what I try to focus on. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's like you're in, if you're in competition with anyone, it's with yourself. That's how I hear you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, and it's interesting though with the YouTube algorithm, because it really is this like mysterious deity that we're trying to appease. And, <laughs> you know, what's, what's kind of crazy to think about for me is that last January, January, 2020, I had maybe 17,000 subscribers. I now have like 66,000 and that's because nice. of one, that's one video. And it was wow. a video yeah, and it was like a video, it's like I knew it'd be popular and I was like, I don't really want to make this video because everybody's talked about it. It's like the how to show not tell video, mm. which is like one of the most common topics in, in the writing yeah, community. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm gonna make this video and I'll just go for it. And yeah, so that one has like 
almost half a million views right now, which it's just like knocked all my other videos out of the, of the park, which is, which is nice in one respect, but then it's also, I don't, I'm kind of on a kick right now where I like, don't like, I kind of don't like anything I make. Like when I make it, I'm like, this isn't my favorite. Cause uh, <laughs> so even like my Queen's Gambit one, I'm like, not my favorite video that I've made, but so it's been a while since I've made a video that I really, really love. Like my, I think my writing with emotional honesty one, like I made that one and I was like, this is amazing. I just love it so much. And like, so, and then of course I, that one actually did do fairly well, but sometimes the videos that I like the most are the ones that get the least views. So <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the typical thing. Right. And, uh, but I mean, and I, yeah, I think I also, I struggle with being overly comprehensive in my, my videos. So uh, that's, and it, but I mean, that's part of just doing whatever you, you want with stuff and not really letting yourself be constrained by an audience. And that, that kind of can help, but. but yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's your channel changed in one way you think, one really good way uh, in the past five years? Like, I think that. I've had, I think my scripts have gotten a lot stronger. Like I've really tried to focus my topics. Like I, I've been very, like a lot of videos that I have, they start out as like, oh, I'll make this as one video. And then whatever little subtopics, it becomes three videos, right? Okay. And so I kind of just let myself do that a bit more. Um, and I, so I think that's helped me a bit because I like, so I get stuck between, you know, should I do like a depth or should I do breadth? right? Like, should I go okay. wide or should I go deep? And I'm like, I like to go deep with it. So I've kind of leaned into that. Um, I really like using audiobook clips, which are very copyright questionable. Um, so I have some, some videos I can't monetize for that reason. Um, I only started monetizing like a few months ago because YouTube, oh, no yeah, YouTube kind of forced my hand a bit because they, they put ads, regardless of whether you want ads, they put them. Oh, sure. Yeah. So originally, like I didn't do that because I was like, I don't want to add some of my videos. I don't really care about making money, right? Um, and I was like, also, I doubt my copyright's very good because uh, <laughs> I use so many, I use so much copyright content. Yeah. Um, but you know, other other channels like Honest Trailers and stuff, they yeah, use yeah, exactly. Stuff. I don't, I don't know how they monetize, how they get away with it, but uh, maybe they do. Uh, but yeah, so but I love using audiobooks because it gives just a bit of variety and. And I just, I think that there's just something from listening to a narration of a book that's very different from just yeah. reading. Um, but so I've, I've enjoyed that part of it uh, quite a bit, just being able to, because I think in my early videos, I would include quotes and I'd have to read them myself. And I was like, I don't, you know, like there's certain things like, and it's also makes it so I can have certain books. If I want to include them in my videos, I feel more comfortable having those quotes because like I wanted to put the color purple in there and I was like I'm not gonna read that like that's gotta sound totally stupid for me so and like other sure, books yeah. Too, yeah that have like anything that has like different pronunciations or things like that I'm like oh well this narrator does it so much better so I'm just gonna let them do it and so that's been really uh taking some pressure off of me to have to read everything in a video so that's smart. And I did enjoy hearing your the latest in the Queen's Gambit video, uh, Miss Langdon, something, someone Langdon yeah, who would. Yeah, and Amy. And yeah, and she actually narrates a memory called Empire, which, so I really like <laughs> it. But although some people, they're, they're like, she sounds like a robot. And I'm like, oh, but no, I really. like her. <laughs> so they, it's, yeah, but I mean, for every, every audiobook narrator, there's always somebody that hates. Sure. Them. There's just, there's no way to get 100%. <laughs> 
but what's matters is you like her and i mean i know i i liked her voice and it was cool to see it kind of broken up between your um narration or oration and hearing her like hit the points and the specific quotes that you were going for uh, on top of like you highlighting like you might have one or two paragraphs up but then you'd highlight in red or a specific color what you really wanted us to focus on and i thought i thought that was really cool and you being able to use all this different footage uh be it still footage or stock footage uh from the film and just weaving it all together and maybe even a little bit with your own you know style of other b-roll it just it just seemed to, to all really come together i thought that was a really cool and it's just it's a great book. It's a great series. And I was just like, oh, that's awesome. She's like branching out and doing something a little bit different. Let me check this out. I thought yeah, I, that was really cool. Yeah. And I loved hearing your review of it too, especially because you read the book and you watched a TV series. And I think that's just a really different perspective because I know a lot of people, they've only watched the, the show. And I really wanted to focus specifically on the book because I'm like, yeah, everybody's seen the show, but you know, they, if they look at the book, they'll see how the book kind of does the same thing as the show does, but in text form, as opposed to the aesthetics, the cinematography. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, that was that was fun to go from watching Queen's Gambit to like two days later, <laughs> finding the book and just, just flying through it. And you're totally right that it's more or less a pretty faithful adaptation, like whatever happened, more or less, whatever happened on Netflix happened in the book. And that doesn't always get to happen, actually. You know, they took some liberties here and there to make the miniseries flow as cohesively as they could. But something about the fact that so much was taken from the book and translates so well on screen, I was like, wow, good for yeah. these guys. I know. And I would never would have guessed, like either with a novel or the TV series that you know, if somebody told me like, oh, this thing about chess is going to be the big hit, you know, I would be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Um, but yet I, when I was watching The Queen's Gambit, I, I totally thought it was a biopic and for yeah. a few episodes, like, yeah, see, and then, and then I realized it was, yeah, by Walter Tevis and I love his novel, The Hustler. So I was like, he wrote okay. other novels? Like I didn't, I didn't even oh, look gotcha, at okay. I love The Hustler, which I haven't, I haven't seen the movie of it, but yeah, it's basically The Queen's Gambit, but with pool, with billiards, so. <laughs> no way. Okay, I, I gotta yeah, and it's just, yeah, yeah, with The Hustler, but it's like, um, it's his first novel, so I feel like, yeah, he definitely has some, something for the whole competitive, competitive games as, <laughs> as plot okay. lines, so. Okay, I'm definitely, I added them on Goodreads. I'm totally gonna check those out, because I really enjoyed his, super engrossing just handle on not only the game but also his characters and either its obsession or its focus or passion and just the way he kind of holds your hand to describe in this case Queen's Gambit the game of chess because I've played chess like it's not I just you know I know how to play it I know the rules but I've maybe won one game in my life against my younger brother. Like, is, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, and I haven't played in years, but I felt like most of these moves, I, you know, I've never performed them. No one's like attacked me on the board this way, but the way the film and the book kind of held your hand and explained it, even sometimes using just repeating the name of the attack or the, the defense over and over combined with how the character responded to it, I just kind of intuited, oh, this is important. 
oh, someone did that move again. Oh man, they need to watch out. I don't even know what the move really is, but it's like the way he described it and the way the show painted the tension, you know, bringing it back to your YouTube channel, <laughs> the tension, it created recognition and patterns. And I thought the, both the yeah. show and the book did that so well. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, that's really true. Cause I, it's quite a feat to get people who are outside of that certain hobby or understanding to get lay people to understand a topic like that and be interested in it. Right. So it is really impressive. And I think that you would enjoy The Hustler. And I just, I remember absolutely loving it in college and being surprised because I was like, well, a, a book about pool, like, am I going to, is it going to be that interesting? Right. It, it really, <laughs> yeah, it's just that I think it has that same theme of obsession that you're talking about, like okay. the competitiveness and the intensity. And so, yeah, it's <laughs> very fun. So cool. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look for it. I got a lot. Ooh, I got a lot. I I, got a lot. I, know. <laughs> I know I know it's it's tough so that's why that's why I'm reading so many books at once and I have such a okay. hard time finishing them because like I mean I do I finish books but sometimes it takes me a long time because I'm like well I should have just focused on this and then I'd be finished with it but I get that sort of anxiety of like I should start this book because you know it's just like I want to just keep consuming everything and just yeah <laughs> So many books, so little time. It's just, it's too much, but we'll, we'll try to get there. What advice, if any, so now I'm asking you for advice. Don't get shook. <laughs> what advice, if any, uh, would you give to aspiring writers, entrepreneurs, or YouTubers? You can try to hit all three, since you are all three, or if just one of those stands out really resonates have at it. Any, any advice you'd share? I think for me personally, I feel that authenticity sells, which is kind of a, a paradox because, you know, you don't, people don't always feel comfortable marketing themselves, but it's more in the sense that I think that when we're honest with our audiences, when you're like a little vulnerable or you know, you just kind of reveal that piece of yourself, like people kind of gravitate towards that honesty and that authenticity, especially nowadays. And so mm -hmm. like, I think people can tell when you're trying too hard or you're trying to force an image or expertise or things like that. So I think, I think when, with being authentic, I think it means like, you know, writing, writing a story that's, that's true to you, just not writing what sells, but writing something that's true to you and YouTube as well. Like don't just, not just making content that you think is gonna, people are gonna wanna watch, but making stuff that you're really passionate about. And with a business as well, I think if you're passionate about something that's gonna shine through. So I think if people focus less on getting famous or, you know, getting an audience and more on just like, okay, here's, here's myself, here's my like the best quality thing that I have produced. And, and I think people will naturally flock towards that. You know, if you build it, they will come kind of situation where that's the, <laughs> that's the dream really. So I, I definitely think that, and, and nowadays too, that being authentic is, is something that's, that's like, it's a way to have longevity in terms of building like a genuine audience. And then also not getting tired of what you're doing. Cause if you're, if you're true to what you, what you value, then that's always going to be rewarding for you. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I love the field of dreams 
<laughs> I've only seen half of that. I don't it's remember. A weird, it's a weird movie, honestly. I watched it like that that long ago and I was like, what is this the reference that people make? What a strange movie. But <laughs> I need to see it all the way through. When I do, I'll hit you up and be like, yeah, that was strange. Or Diane, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but it's a no, it's 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 still a great quote of um or and great adage of, you know, this is the the service you built online um for editing people's work that they poured themselves into this is the authentic self you bring on YouTube because somebody might complain like why didn't she just talk at a camera because that's how they you know, but it's like but that's what she wanted to do and man just the fact that you've generated clients you know because you're also a, you're a freelancer there's a lot of can you talk about that for a second the the challenges of freelancing as opposed to having a strict nine to five, because that's really tough. And the fact that you're the symbiosis of your business and YouTube coming together brings you clients is beautiful. Do, do people, what misconception do people have about freelance that you'd like to like just kill right now? It's a good question. Cause I'm trying to think about, I, I think, I think there's this idea of like, there's a lot of freedom and being able to set your own schedule. And of course, with freedom comes responsibility. So it's the with power, but it's, it's definitely, you have to have an off switch. And that's something that I definitely don't have. Cause it's like, like I said, that setting boundaries and saying no to projects. Cause as a freelancer, you're like, I should take everything that I have. And just like, I, every time somebody offers me something, I should take it. And yeah, so I think that's a difficult part with freelancing. And I think too, is that I have a lot of long-term clients, which is nice. So I have an established relationship with them and I know what they're going to be like, but then other times with freelancing, it's sort of a one-off relationship. So I'm like meeting new, new clients every time. And I don't really know how they're going to react to my feedback or like what our dynamic is going to be like. And that's sort of fun to find out, but it's also like a little uh, I mean, it's definitely like being back in customer service. Like I had a lot of customer service jobs growing up, but it's like, Thank you know, it's, it's always the roulette, right? Like every time you get a new customer, you don't know if they're going to be pissed off at you, if they're, they're going to smile at you. And, um, and I mean, I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of like amazing clients. I really don't have any client horror stories. So that's been, that's been Ugh. nice for me, but, um, and I, I think, and also with freelancing, like the fact that you know, you sort of, you're going by your own rules and you're trying to learn what you're doing as you go. And that's a little challenging too. So you have to definitely self-educate like a lot, like, okay, well, if I want to create a contract that I have my clients sign, like, what do I put on that? What do I do? You know, like there's no, like there's, you can find articles about it and things, but there's, mm -hmm. you're basically building your own path. So you, so that, that freedom is really nice, but it's also a little lacking in structure that you have to create for yourself, so. I, I, I vibe with that. And it, it kind of sounds like your plotting versus pantsing video again, as it's, it kind of sounds like being an entrepreneur and freelancing, you definitely have a lot of pantsing, a lot of figuring it out as you go along, I guess, as Indiana Jones would say, um, kind of making it up kind of filling in the gaps where you can, building bridges where you can, knocking them down and just trying to see what will stick. So I think that's great. Can you highlight uh, the rewards or a reward now related to your writing career, 
your business career and YouTube things that, you know, times that a time that you won and just how rewarding it's, it's been. I think for me, I've met so many of my closest friends now through my YouTube channel. Like it's, it's kind of weird, but cause you know, people who are fans of my show, my show, okay. My channel, they'll contact me. Yes. Yeah, the show sounds like it's a regular thing. It's not regular at all. <laughs> um, but but my one of my best friends, she lives in Denmark. And so and she found me through my channel. And that's how we started talking. We talk pretty much every day. And, and uh, another one of my clients, a lot of my clients end up being my friends. So that's another thing where it just definitely, you know, the, the line sort of gets blurred between you know, if people are fans of my channel, or if they're my business clients, you know, they often become my friends or like my, you know, like I said about my channel too, it's always about being on like that equal footing. Like, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I'm this teacher or I'm this like superior and whatever I say is like word of God. I really mean like, oh, well, this is just my opinion. And I'm, I'm coming from this, this different sort of perspective. Um, but I, I like to think of everything as sort of a collaborative environment, but I think being able to be exposed to so many different people of different backgrounds and, and different perspectives and like and professions and things like that like radio djs and truck drivers and people in the military and just so many different walks of life and i just i love that so much because as a kid uh growing up like what i really wanted was i wanted a job that would let me learn something new every single day and that's really what editing has given me and just being in writing too, because you're always researching, you're always learning. And, right. and I love that. So. Ah, so do I. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like reading in real life, like it, the quality of going to different places, meeting new people. It's the same with your clients and it's the same with YouTube. That's what I'm hearing you say. I'm glad that you have that. That's very important and that you have close and even best friends that you've made online, which is really, because you need that, especially, you know, we're all balancing, you know, dealing with coronavirus and, and uh, trying to be there for one another, but also have time for ourselves and just keep our heads above water. So friendship and family has been more important than ever now, but I'm glad that you, that you have such high quality people that have come through embarking on this, this online journey of, in, in, um, in entrepreneurship and YouTube. I think that's really, really great. Any exciting plans that you are at liberty to discuss for 2021? Anything writing related, any business, YouTube? And you said you have hundreds of scripts for just, for videos you can't wait to do. Anything you can tell us about? I know, uh, too many things. But yeah, my big thing is uh, my collaborative writing project uh, with Story Garden Publishing, which is just like basically me and two of my friends uh, Jordan Riley Swan and Hira Bowen, they're both writers. And I, obviously I'm also a writer, but um, an editor in this capacity, but we're writing a novel together, specifically an urban fantasy novel uh, that's coming out in June. And uh, it's called Wish Hunter. And it's set in Savannah, Georgia, which I'm very wow. excited about. It's such a beautiful place. And it's, uh, it's specifically about stealing and selling wishes and kind of like an underground market. That so, sounds cool. Yeah, so it's All like- so yeah, all three of us. So I, I did the outline. I did all the characters and the setting and the world building. So it's kind of, it's going off my previous job, but this time I get to kind of start from the ground up. So I got to build this whole world, this whole thing. I did a chapter by chapter outline. Um, and then my friend Hero Bowen, who 
I also used to work with at my other job. So we've done like dozens of books together before, but this is the first one. It's just like both of us getting to do one um, based on like my own ideas, um, so, which is super fun. So she got to kind of bring it to life with the first draft. And then uh, Jordan, our other co-writer came in and he did a bunch of like rewriting editing with it. Um, and he helped me plot it too. And then I'm, I've been editing it. Like I'm on like my fifth round of edits on this thing. And then it's, uh, but we have like a whole team. Like we have another developmental editor. We have like beta readers and um, fact checkers and things like that. And the copy editors. So it's, it's a very uh, developed, production and I don't have like a copy of book because it's we're still editing it but I did I got custom candles for it because the, the way oh. that you, <laughs> the way the way that you um spend wishes is by blowing out a candle like birthday candles okay and then you you earn a wish by saving a life so you save somebody's life you get a wish and then you can like uh, blow out a candle to to spend it and but then the wishes have to be something like within the bounds of reality like you can gotcha. wish to change your voice or things like that. But it's like, a, it's, it was so fun. And I'm definitely gonna make like a video series about kind of a behind the scenes of how I, I plotted it out. Like, okay. I think I'll do a few videos on like, okay, here's how I outline this novel. So people are curious to, to see that process of like, how do you go from like an idea to a published book? Cause I think we'll have spent like a year developing this book basically like from the outline to the draft to the editing, like it's, like about like a year to to produce this book between the three of us but uh, uh, it's been super fun and I know you have experienced in collaborative novel too with uh with your book that you wrote with your dad right yeah um it was his story initially and then I was going to school um study screenwriting and film and I sort of knew that he'd been writing it I've, I've sort of told this story a few times but it felt like it was kind of just his thing on the side and then I guess he yeah he'd finished an umpteenth draft and had it all printed out from the library or work or something and knew that I was going to study screenwriting and storytelling and I'd studied a little, little bit of poetry and fiction and whatnot at community college even. And he was like, I really want to get this thing published. Maybe we'll just self-publish it. He's like, I don't know much about traditional publishing. Do you want to work on it with me? And I was like, what? <laughs> you printed all this out that like you really were writing a book. <laughs> like, I mean, he really was like writing this in the cut in secret in the booth in the back in the dark. Um, and sometimes yeah. it's like that. And that was probably good for him. It's, I don't know, it's kind of cool when people have that secret art thing just for them, mm -hmm. you know, and then they're ready to kind of, you know. And so that's how that happened. So it's called Noteworthy Tribute. And it's about, um, I get, we're millennials, right? Is that with, we used to say 20 somethings. People our age um, in Virginia Beach. Um, and it's just about the, the artistic struggle, triumphs and tribulations of holding, of starting a band and then keeping the band together. Um, the main character, two main characters, one's name is Corey, the other is Evan. Uh, Corey was an indie musician who had some success in the Pacific Northwest and then some tragedy struck, he comes to Virginia Beach, meets Evan, who's a young producer, trying to keep his band together. And then regular life happens. To your point earlier about like priorities and what video we work on here, can you take on all these clients? And Evan has a song he's been working on that he's trying to like perfect. And that's pretty much it. It's, it's also, um, it's kind of a coming of age story 
and sometimes it, it veers off to kind of spend time with the other characters. Like, so in other words, when they're not working on the band and on the music, here's what's going on in their regular lives. And just all these different colorful things occurred to my dad and he allowed me to like add things and take things away. And it was, and I love the time that we had um, writing it and it was just, man, it was a great experience. It was really cool. That's so awesome. Cause I, I just, I love the thought of like the father Sutton team of writing a book mm. or just anything like that. You know, I wish, I honestly wish more people would collaborate on writing novels. Cause I think it is like a really unique creative experience, yeah. and especially with, with yeah. somebody that you, that you love and that you know really well. It's like, you're, it's like a way to get even closer to them. Cause you're, you're messing around and they're like subconscious as you're reading the story. <laughs> But that was a really good experience of just kind of re-outlining the book after reading through what he'd done and him allowing me to like add characters or maybe we'd composite some characters. Um, and a lot of it's just full of just experiences we had just maybe exaggerated. Like a lot of people um, who, who read it, they were like, did this really happen? And we we're like, no, I mean, a couple of things like are from life, but this is not like some type, we didn't write someone's biography, basically. We didn't do that, but it's a big compliment. It really made us feel good to hear people say that. So, so yeah, so yeah, no, yeah. The collaborative thing is, is a unique and enriching experience. I think everyone should try it out at least once. It's okay if you don't want to stick with it, but uh, it's cool. And it sounds like you three, a little golden trio we have here, is uh the it's called wish hunter it sounds cool yeah wish hunter two two words and yeah. then yeah and it's kind of it's kind of a play like there's like wish hunters for the people that hunt wishes but but the the main guy in it his name is miles hunter and so he's okay. like a, a musician and yeah definitely my my favorite uh character from the book but yeah, yeah. so that's the <laughs> That's uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. And this was their, uh, they, they had another collaborative book, like this is, so it's Jordan Riley Swan, Hero Bowen. And they, so this is their first one that they wrote together. Like Jordan plotted this one and then Hero kind of first drafted it and then he <laughs> rewrote a bunch of stuff and, and I edited it. And uh, it's now like a full cast audiobook too, like 12 different voice actors. They went like radio drama with it. Like, so, cause it's about a group of community theater actors. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> That's fantastic. I wish you guys well. I look forward to when it comes out. It sounds like a, a really, really cool story. Would probably even be a really cool movie too. We'll see. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, we're always talking about like, oh, we just need like a, you know, Netflix to adapt it. And I'm yep. like, Shonda Rhimes, call me. Yeah, exactly. but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really, that's yeah. really cool. No, I, I wish you guys all the best. It sounds like you're having a really good time with it. I look forward to when it comes out. Um, one final little question before we go. I hadn't written it down, but it made me think. It's great to be talking to you. It just made me think about, I love just the quality of not only the visuals on your YouTube channel, but also your voice. Did you have to learn any public speaking or any radio, any type of, you know, because we sound one way in real life. Then we get on the phone or on a podcast or on a YouTube video, we sound different or whatever. What's your process when it comes to reading your scripts and having that persona, dare I say it, persona as yeah. you make your video? 
For sure. And that's such a, that's such a, a targeted question because it's, it's almost like my biggest insecurity when I was starting the channel. It's ah. like, nobody's going to like my voice because I don't have a super special like voice. I'm glad you like it. And I, and I love your voice too, like listening to it on the podcast. Even talking to you now, you sound exactly like the podcast to me. Uh, whereas I know I sound a little more, I think, casual. I sort of modulate my voice a little more. I, I soften yeah. it. I smooth it out. And I think... I, yeah, and I mean, I know you're in audio and things like that, but so maybe you'll understand my struggle with, with audio, but like I, I've tried different mics and stuff and different setups, yeah. and I have such a hard time like capturing, like not getting the little puff sounds and editing audio. Yeah. So that's why I sort of started out talking like really soft and things. Um, and, and so I get a lot of times I get the ASMR comment, which is like when you talk really smoothing and quietly and things. Um, but then over time I've started to do like, I, I do vocal exercises before I record and, um, and I, I try to do, I have a little bit of like a sing songy rhythm when I read, mm -hmm. um, but it, and it's been very hard to, I don't know, to, to strike the right balance with my narration like I'm like okay am I reading too fast too slow because I'll get comments from time to time that are like you talk too fast or like you talk too slow hmm. or <laughs> you know so I'll get stuff like that where I'm like I can't win no matter what I do <laughs> um and yeah so and I mean there's a lot of people that really love my voice and they'll, they'll be like oh it's so it's so like it's so silky or it's so calming or things like that. And then I think somebody said like, oh, you sound like a poetic alien baby in the best way. And I was like, I, I think that's a compliment. I'll take that. Um, but, a poetic <laughs> but, alien baby. Well, they said the yeah, best way. So yeah, so I don't know what the worst way is, but, um, but yeah, it is, it's an interesting thing to put on, you know, the podcaster voice is real, right? Uh, that's mm. the thing, but. But for me, I think I sort of have a bedtime reading voice, like, because I read mm -hmm. to my husband a lot, like I'll read aloud books. So oh, when cool. I read to him, I sort of have that, that narration voice. Um, and so I try to, to stick with that and sound like I'm reading people a story and, uh, and not to talk too fast. Because I feel like in real life, sometimes I go like, I go like, I talk like this, and then just all my words slur together. And I, you know, that's <laughs> my normal talking <laughs> style. So I have to kind of, I have to kind of, you know, chill out and just be like, okay, talk at a normal human speed now. <laughs> but that's cool. No, yeah, yeah I it's, it was. It's, <laughs> it's a really no. It's a great quality voice, and I was like, yeah, what is? Because you don't see her face, so it's all the energy or a lot of your energy goes into what you're going to sound like. And then there's the the stock footage. Then there's the writing of the script, the editing, and so on. And now that I've gotten yeah. into or gotten back into podcasting, because I did a podcast with my uh, some of my best friends a um, couple uh, maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, so to get back into it and to think about like mics and, and headphones and, you know, uh, an enclosed space and, and do I want to get ambient sound on one episode or do I want to like try to be in a vacuum and just things I didn't think about you know, or hadn't thought about since film school. Anyway, it's like the moment you just need room tone and ambient sound, phones are going off. There's traffic outside. Suddenly there's a plane, go suddenly you're super sensitive to sonics. And so I thought that'd be, it, that would be a really cool question. I like your, your process and the modulation and things like that and, and practice with reading to your husband or transferring of other skills from other jobs. I thought that was cool. So thanks for sharing that with me. <laughs> but 
and, and it's funny you mentioned the ambient sound because I listened to your Black History uh, video as well, the one from Valentine's Day, and that one has like the beach sounds. And I actually thought that was really cool. Like you had the little picture with it. And sometimes I could just hear the water, right? And I, yeah. I was like, this is kind of a neat experience because I can sort of imagine you in a physical place when you're talking. And that's that's a, a neat thing to, to have with the podcast. So <laughs> thank you. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you liked it. And so far I've gotten compliments. So I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoy it, enjoyed it and that others have as, uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, I really think it, it comes down to the authenticity factor of like, I, I think people really enjoy it when they see people make mistakes on the videos. Like if you watch mm -hmm. cooking videos, like binging with Babish or something, like mm -hmm. if he makes a mistake, it's just hilarious. Or, you know, in other videos when somebody's cat walks in or meows, like, you know, yeah. you, it instantly humanizes people. And yeah, I need to. I need to include like more silly outtakes um, in my videos. So I, I like laugh at my own jokes a lot, which is very dumb. Um, but <laughs> but I also I also curse a lot when I say stuff super wrong. But which I'm sure you're familiar with with like doing audio. I feel like that's the common experience. But yeah, absolutely. That's a cool idea. Maybe more more outtakes on the podcast as well as uh, as your mm -hmm. cool. Well, Diane, this has been great. Again, I don't know where the time, I say that all the time, but it's just the quality of the <laughs> conversations um, is always so, so great and, and time just flies, but so much is being discussed, so much is being talked about. <clears throat> um, to all the listeners, I hope you guys, listeners and, and viewers, I hope that um, you learned a lot about uh, entrepreneurship, about editing hope you learn more about writing and also youtube uh, as well for any aspiring youtubers i think a lot of the things uh, you said diane are still transferable whether you're doing a writing vlog series or whether you're doing the latest babish you know your own version of cooking or something i hope that uh, i hope people took a lot of gems and advice from this episode um it's really cool because we we haven't really talked a lot Maybe we, the most we've talked probably was like in the last few months on Twitter. I thought it was really cool that you, you know, were eight, that you followed me back and we like chat every now and again, um, whether you've launched a, a new video or not. Um, so I appreciate you coming on and sitting down to, to talk with me and to take me through the journey of, of YouTube, your writing journey, your forthcoming book with your, th your two friends. Um, and this was great. We're, um, guys, I'm going to put it in uh, the show notes, of course, um, Josiah's voice podcast.wordpress.com. But tell everyone where they can find you, Diane. Uh, they can find me, first of all, on my website. I kind of aggregate everything. Um, it's not just quotidianwriter.com. I know quotidian is it was a poor choice of a word because it's so hard to spell, but uh, it's Q-U-O-T-I-D-I-A-N, writer. Com. And on there, uh, you'll find my Twitter, which is also Quotidian Writer. And then uh, I have a Medium page, also Quotidian Writer. And then YouTube is also Quotidian Writer. And so is my email. So I'm very consistent with that. Uh, my name is Diane Callahan, but my brand is very much the Quotidian Writer brand. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, you really need to check her out. And until the next time, uh, I will talk to you guys later. Diane, thanks again for talking to me. And uh, I'll be chatting with you on Twitter, on YouTube real soon, okay? Yes, thank thanks you again. so much. See ya. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms. 
And you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiahsvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.